0: All right, so anybody got their Bible today? All right, five of you. That's good news, so this won't take long. Anyway, so listen, if you have your Bible today, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, if it's the the paper version or if it's the phone version, find you Acts chapter 20. Listen, I feel like the Lord has some really straightforward things that He wants to tell some people today, but I would encourage you in this. We can all come to church, and we can kind of go through the motions and go through the process, or we can come really with an open heart and say, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? So I would encourage you today that if there's anything that's maybe in your mind, in your heart, that would uh, hinder you from receiving from the Lord today, just go ahead and give that to Him and get it out of the way so God can talk to you. Amen? Fair enough. I mean, there's a part of me right now that goes, man, why did it have to snow today? right? Like, well, you know, God, I, you, you know, whatever, say something to a bunch of people, right? But I got to trust that the Lord knows who's here and he has something really clear he wants to say. Amen. Amen. You guys found Acts 20 yet? Yes. All five of you, did you find it? Yes. <laughs> Six of you. Awesome. Let's pray. <laughs> awesome. Bring your Bible to church, y'all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, I believe, God, that you desire to do great things in this house today. God, I believe that you desire to do great things in our hearts today. And so, Father, right now, God, if there's anything, God, anything that would hinder us from hearing you, God, we ask, God, that we would just give it to you. God, we cast our cares, we cast our anxieties upon you today because you care for us. And so, Lord, thank you today, God, that every roadblock, every obstacle is out the way. God, that there's a clear passageway to our heart today. Father, thank you that you said, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So, Lord, today we desire to hear what you're saying. And, Lord, we pray that you would just speak really clear, really loud to our hearts today, God, so we wouldn't go, man, was that for me or was it for somebody else? But we would just know, God, that's you talking to me. So, Lord, thank you for life change today. Thank you for your anointing. Holy Spirit, come and do what you do best. And let's change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, so Acts chapter 20. Here we go. Acts chapter 20. Here we go. Verse 7. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. It says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them. So Paul's preaching here. And he said this, and he continued his message until midnight. I will not do that to you today, okay? But, but basically, he is six hours into a message. And then it says in verse 8, it says, There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus. Can somebody say Eutychus? It says, who was sinking into a deep sleep, he was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, I love what one preacher said, obviously not well, it says that he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Somebody say, he fell down. (laughs) So he fell down, and he was basically, they said he fell down, obviously uh, from the third floor, he hit the ground, and he died. Now let me ask you a question real quick. Does anybody remember who wrote the book of Acts? Was not Paul. Does anybody remember who wrote? It was Luke. Luke wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. He wrote to a guy named Theophilus. Okay, so does anybody know what Luke did for a living? He was a doctor, okay? He was a historian, and he was a doctor. So, so you know, there's some people that uh, are the persuasion in the church world that doesn't believe in miracles, and they basically act like this kid, Eutychus, fell from the third story, and he hit his head, and he got a concussion. But, but the problem with that is, is here's a guy who was a doctor. So if anybody is qualified to go down there and check a pulse and see his, his status, man, it's definitely Luke. And Luke said he was what? Luke said he was dead. Amen. So anyways, it goes on says in verse 10, it says, but Paul went down, fell on him and embracing him. And then he said this, he said, do not trouble yourself for his life is in him. Do not trouble yourself, for his life is in him. And obviously we know that Paul prayed for Eutychus, and we know that, that basically uh, that Eutychus was risen from the dead. And it says in verse 11, it says, Now when he, talking about Paul, had come back into the upper room, he had broken bread, eaten, and talked a whole lot longer, a whole long while, even till daybreak, and then he departed. So all in all, Paul preached for 12 hours. That's a long sermon. Say amen if you believe that. Say amen if you want that today. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so verse twelve says this: says and they brought the young man in alive. And it says, and they were not a little comforted. They were a lot comforted. They were pretty fired up. In fact, I don't know uh, maybe a better way to have a church service than right in the middle of it have somebody risen from the dead. That, that'll wake you up in church, won't it, right there. So anyways, listen, my simple question is this. Is have you ever wondered uh, why God put certain stories in the Bible? And to be maybe more specific, why he decided to put this story in, in the Bible, and I certainly wish there were certain men here today because maybe the reason God picked this picked this is because He wanted to warn people about sleeping in church. <laughs> it's a dangerous business, right? Just when you think it's a good time to, to fall asleep, get a little peace, boom, you're dead. Anyway, so so and, and then maybe it was to to warn pastors like me about preaching long sermons. When preaching kills, right? So, hey, listen, that you, you got louder for that when than about falling asleep. That's all right. So, but, but listen, or maybe it was because of this. Maybe God wanted all of us to know, and I believe this is what God wants to tell us today, that maybe he wanted us to know that there's life after a fall. That there's life after a fall. And by a fall, you know I don't mean moving downward at a rapid speed without control and suddenly hitting the ground. It's not what we're talking about. We're, we're, we're talking about something like this. How many of you guys have ever sat back and just went, man, I blew it big time right there? Anybody said, man, anybody, anybody blown it just in the last month? Man, we got some saints up in here that, that, that just refused to say it. Anybody sinned before? Anybody sinned this week? Some of y'all sinned on the way here this morning. But anyways, <laughs> listen, it can be big, it can be small, it can be as simple as even this, that the Bible says that when we know what to do and we don't do it, it's sin. Right. So, so, but obviously that's not all that I'm talking about today. That's just a little piece. But how many of you ever felt like this, that, that when you looked in the mirror and you just felt like, man, you you didn't say it to anybody. You didn't utter any words, but just on the inside, man, you felt like you were damaged goods. Listen, how many of you guys have ever thought this, that, man, I don't know why, but it seems like things just aren't going according to God's plan in my life. Man, I, man, I hope for more than this. See, if you've thought anything along those lines, and you can fill in whatever your story is, but, but, but if, you can, if you've asked yourself those questions or you've thought those thoughts, then that means somewhere along the line that you experienced a fall. Really simple. So I've learned over the years that there's basically three different um, reasons why we all experience a fall. And so I'm going to give them to you today, okay? And this is going to be a little bit more lengthy than normal, but uh, it won't be 12 hours. So be of good courage. All right? So... So three reasons. Here we go. Here's the first one. I've come to learn that sometimes when we experience a fall, it has more to do with our past circumstances than it does with the current condition of our hearts. How many times do we feel in life, man, like we're just losers in the kingdom, but, but it's really not the condition of our heart. The condition of our heart is, God, we really want to serve you. But there's something that's way back there in our past from a circumstance that man just won't let us go. Anybody with me today? Maybe I'm talking to myself. Maybe this is for me. But, but listen, here, here's why I say this, okay? Because um, I think that Eutychus is a perfect example of someone's circumstance causing them to fall. Here's what theologians say about Acts chapter 20. They say this. Theologians say that there was between 200 and 300 people gathered in the upper room that night. They, they say that it was the uh, hot season of the year. And then theologians tell us this, that the type of oil that they used to light their lamps would, would actually release a, a natural sleeping pill aroma into the air that would cause people to get tired. Now here's poor Eutychus, right? And, and so theologians also say this, and we kind of already said it, that Paul had been preaching for six hours. And, and, and he was probably only like halfway through his first point. Right? And then here's the last one, man. If you, if you really want to get down to it, theologians say this they say that Eutychus was only 13 years old. 13 years old. So, it, listen, I youth pastored a long time, and, and, and I have had the chance to pastor some amazing kids, but I've met very few that can hang in there for six hours. We've had six hour services. Not here, there. We've had six-hour services, but, but there was very few 13-year-olds that could hang in there the whole time with complete focus. After a few whatever minutes, man, those kids, they, 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 they zone out. If you've ever worked with kids, you, you know what I'm talking about. So, in fact, listen, this, experts say this. Experts say that basically a kid's attention span is basically one minute for every year that they've lived. So if you have an eight-year-old, you got a good eight minutes. In Utica's case... 13 years old, you got a good 13 minutes. Now listen, I don't believe that because when the anointing comes, God can do whatever he wants to do, right? It it draws people in. But let's say those experts are right. Then, then that's the case. Then it wasn't poor Eutychus' fault that the meeting had already gone five hours and 47 minutes beyond his, uh, you you know, his attention span. Y'all with me today? So, listen, when it comes to all of that, we have all of that in mind, uh, you can see that our poor our poor boy Eutychus, man, he really had everything going against him. The cards were stacked against him, right? It just, it just wasn't working. He was in a room that was crammed full of people. It was hot. The air was muggy and thick. He was inhaling a natural sleeping pill that was floating in the air. The preacher was preaching the never-ending sermon. He was tired from a long day of school. If you've ever been in the eighth grade, you, you know it was difficult. If you missed it, God bless you. And if you spent... Two or three times in there, really. God bless you. Anyway, so listen, it's uh, it's hours past his bedtime, and, and, and this this kid he can't leave. Why? Because his dad's an usher, and his dad's got to lock up. His mom's in the back running the PowerPoint presentation. This kid is stuck at church, right? And, and I just believe that here's Eutychus, man. He really loves God. He really wants to do what's right. And so he says, you know what? I want to I want to I want to honor. I want to respect the moment. So I'm going to find a window seat, right? And he goes and he sits in the window seat, and, and it kind of helps him create a little bit more space. And then he's got a little bit. The breeze, kind of helping him cool down. He's breathing a little bit of fresh air. And in the middle of that, guess what? It just wasn't enough. His best wasn't enough. And his circumstance, or due to his circumstance, guess what? He fell asleep and he fell out the window. Are you following me today? So what in the world does this have to do with us? Here's this poor boy that had a fall. What does it have to do with us? I, I believe if we're willing to be honest with ourselves for a moment, now we would admit that in spite of our best efforts growing up, Right, In spite of our best efforts, some of us still became a, a product of our circumstance, a product of our environment. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It, it wasn't our fault. Maybe, maybe you had a great family, but maybe you had one like mine where it was less than perfect. That, that somewhere, you know, man, that, that some families, they're just full of depressed people, people with negative thought patterns, people with negative self-images. Man, some are insecure, some are fearful, some are worryful all the time. And I feel like there, there's something with this one. I feel like this was from the Lord, that your family was really secretive. What happens when you're secretive, guess what? You don't know how to be vulnerable and you don't know how to be accountable. But maybe your family was something like this. Maybe they were passive aggressive. Maybe maybe they were like mine and they were angry. And because they were angry, they constantly just uh, uh, reacted in explosive ways all the time. Maybe they lacked peace. Maybe some didn't know how to express love to their spouse, much less their kids. Maybe uh, somewhere along the line there was workaholics. Or maybe there was uh, people with a poverty mindset. I mean, you fill in your list. Fill in your family. Whatever it is, every family's got flaws. Is that not true? Listen, and before we realized it, we we were sitting right in the classroom of life. And it was too late. We learned certain behaviors, certain patterns. We learned certain ways of reacting. And the damage was done. It wasn't our choice. But our circumstance was against us. And it kind of shaped us into at least pieces of who we are today. Is it just me today? But listen, even though we, we don't mean to, and in spite of our best efforts, for some reason, like Eutychus, it's beyond our understanding. We keep repeating what we've learned, we keep falling. And it's like we keep falling short of what we desire for our own lives. We keep falling short of what we believe God has for our lives. And even though we want life, guess what? It seems like we keep producing death. Amen. Now, let me, let me explain to you this way. For most of us, it doesn't look like 10 out of 10 things are a mess. It looks like this. that Man, out of 10 things, man, there's like one or two that's just, uh, man, we just kind of brush it over in the corner because it reeks of death. Right? It's like that one thing right there is the windowsill of our life that we keep falling out of. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And we do our best in life to somehow mask that one or two areas, and we try to present the eight or nine areas that are going great. Because that's the right thing to do. Yes? Even in this sense, it's the secret places where I I just, man, I'm fearful. I'm afraid. Or maybe it's that windowsill of just, man, I I can't let them go. I can't forgive them. Y'all with me today? Listen, when, when I woke up yesterday morning, and, and, and I'm sure some of you guys have been there, I was, I was laying in bed, and I had my two-year-old right here, and I was trying not to move, right? And it's like, man, you know, your arm's going numb and all that stuff, because and, and, uh, you don't want to wake him up. And, and, I'm, and I'm fully committed to prayer in that moment, but I'm also fully committed to sleeping in that moment. And I'm kind of going back and forth. That was a joke, by the way. I was going back and forth and, and I was kind of like waking up, praying, waking up, praying. And, but in those moments, and you know, a lot of time God speaks to me in those moments because I'm not overthinking stuff. And my spirit's just open and, and, you know, it's clear and God can talk to me. But in the middle of that, I I felt like God wanted me to tell you this. I felt like he wanted to reiterate what Paul said when Paul ran down and fell on him and embraced him. I, I felt like God wanted me to simply tell you this. Do not trouble yourself. Do not lose heart for there's life in you yet. For there's life in you yet. It's like so often we get so go, well, I'm going to have to live with those two or three things in the corner. That one thing in the corner. And that will always be a spot of death. But Jesus wants you to know, don't trouble yourself. Don't worry. Don't get caught up in that. Man, there's life in you yet. Amen? See, and the reason we can be so confident of that today is, guess what? Is because the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life lives inside of you. And the one that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lives inside of you. So watch this. So we fall out of the windowsill for the 50th time. And we think, man, God's going to run off and leave us. And he said, I won't leave you. But guess what? Because he's there and he's in you. guess what? The resurrection and the life come. They come. (laughs) They come. You know, I don't know about you, but man, I just want to thank God today. That what? Thank God that he still has the ability to resurrect dead things. They still has the ability to breathe life into every circumstance. Even the ones that we've been dragging with us for years. Yes? So the hope today is this, is that you don't have to continue to live like that. Boy, that's great news. Amen, it's great news. If Jesus has ever changed you, if he's ever healed you, if he's ever helped you, man, man you get it. You get it, that you don't have to stay that way. It's this, that the that, that understanding that our past circumstances don't have to keep defining us. In other words, once again it's this, and I don't want to I'm trying not to overstate this thing, but but it's like this, it's like that area in our lives that we go, Oh, I hate that about me. Maybe it's just me. But 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 it's that part that for some reason the human nature, if you if you really are a person that self-evaluates yourself a lot, that thing you can let that basically define you and, and supersede all the good that God's already done in you. Make sense? But 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 it doesn't have to work that way, okay? And uh, why? Because I want to tell you, once again, there's still life after a fall. (laughs) Amen? Amen. So listen, if you're you're here today, and this is only part of what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about three people today. But if you're here today and you're thinking, man, I I, I really relate to that guy named Eutychus. Never heard his name, Would never name my kids that, but man, I sure do uh, relate to Eutychus. I want you to know that you're more right than you think you are. And here's the reason you're more right than you think you are. Because the name Eutychus, you know me, I'm a geek. I love what names mean. Eutychus means fortunate. It means a recipient of God's grace. Is that not so good? Listen, going back to to Acts 20, if you want to talk about being fortunate, listen, if you're going to fall out of a window, he was fortunate in the fact that the Apostle Paul was the fellow preaching. Right? It could have been Ziglag old zigzag from the, from the town next door that didn't believe in miracles. But thank God if you're going to fall and die, right? Then get around somebody that believes in a miracle that knows how to raise the dead. Amen. So he was fortunate, okay? He was fortunate that someone carried the power of God, okay? But for us, I think it's this. Man, that we are fortunate that when Jesus came to live on side of us, that he not only came and brought uh, grace that would say, man, it's unmerited favor, and there's forgiveness, and there's mercy, and there's all, of, you know, all of that stuff, but he also brought with him an, an enabling and empowering grace that said, look, I'll help you overcome whatever you're struggling with. Yes. That's good news, Yes. That's better than you're recognizing it at this moment. To understand that the Bible says that sin should no longer have dominion over me. Why? Because of grace. Amen? It's because of grace. Thank God for grace. Listen, I, let me say it to you this way. One of the number one prayers that the Holy Spirit answers in my life is when I pray this. Holy Spirit, when I go to do that, and here, I'll, I'll be honest with you, When I go to parent like my mom parented me, show me. Because, see, that's where it is. Some of us growing up, we got so frustrated with our parents, and then we find ourselves doing the same thing. That's what I'm talking about. And so, Holy Spirit, show me when I go to do that. And when I go to do it, I feel the Holy Ghost check me. You've been there. Right? Brights hit on. And in that moment, I have a choice. I do. I have a choice to do it Sherry's way. That's my mom's name. Or, or I have a chance to do it God's way. And I stop for that moment, and I'm in the valley of decision. Do I want flesh or do I want spirit? And if I'm willing to go spirit, guess what? The enabling or the empowering grace comes, and God helps me do what I need to do. Are you following me today? Okay, but it's up to us. Amen? So it's simply this, that that empowering grace helps you live, a past, uh, live above your past circumstances. So let me show you a verse here, and all of you know it. Because I'm talking to people that really want to love God. The Bible says this: For a righteous man may fall seven times. You know, half of y'all admitted you sin this month. You fail, right? Me too, right? But I love that last part: and rise again. Thank God for that. And rise again. That that literally that. Here's what I love about Jesus. It, you, you know, Paul's not Jesus. I get that. But here's what I love: Paul could have said, "Well, I'm with the crowd. We just lost one." He just fell out, whatever. We just lost one. Who cares? But no, Paul stopped what he was doing. He went down the, two, the two, uh, you know, two stairwells, whatever, the two flight of stairs. And he went down there and he fell on him. He embraced him. And that God has so, uh, he's so personal that even when we're laying face down in the dirt, he still comes to us. Yes. Thank God for that, right? Yes. That we're laying there face in the dirt and he still comes and he still embraces us and he still says, Look, man, I know you fell, but, man, you're going to rise again. Get up, man. Let me, let me dust you off. Amen. And, and I just think this as we, as we listen to the Holy Spirit, as we depend on the, that kind of grace, then what happens is after a while, we will not fall in that area again. That I went, you know, seven times, seven times done. I'm done. I'm done. It, it, you know, not again. And I know some of you guys, you understand what I'm saying. You, you've had that area when you went, man, that, that's the old me. That's the old me. It's gone. Anyways. All right. So let's move into the second reason of why some people experience a fall. I could give you tons of stories in this area, but I'll leave it basically simple as possible, okay? But over the years, I've met hundreds, if not thousands, of people who were damaged by someone else's fall. They were damaged by someone else's fall. In other words, they were damaged by the decision of someone else. Let me shoot clear here. They were were damaged by somebody else's sin. Are you following me? And listen, I want to give you a biblical example, biblical example of this, but i got to set it up first. In 1 Samuel, we're introduced to a guy that everybody in the room knows, more than likely. We're introduced to a young shepherd boy named who? David. Okay? And, and we know that, you know, basically as we continue his journey, we see these things. Okay? And, and we're not talking about David, but, but you'll see where we're going here. That, that, that David was anointed by Samuel the prophet to be the next king of Israel. Good day, right? The only problem was, is there, was a, there was already a guy that was king. And so before he could become king, he went and he actually played his harp for that king because that king was basically, um, you, you know, basically demons would come mess with him as David worshiped, demons left. That's why so many people like worship. <laughs> You know, they don't know how to enter in, but it somehow calms their demons away for them for a minute. They like the peace about it, but there's something when you enter in, right? And so here's this guy. He would come and enter in and worship God before the king in the palace. Anyway, so we know the next thing, man, that David killed the Philistine giant named Goliath. We get that. that. Then the next thing he did is he became a great leader in the army of Israel. And then the next thing he did is he married Saul's daughter so now he's the, he's the king's son-in-law and then kind of through that process he became friends best friends with Saul's son Jonathan now watch this then one day basically out of jealousy we know that Saul knew that David was going to be the next king. He saw the favor of God all over his life, and he saw the lack of it in his life. So what did he do? He got jealous, and he got angry, and he said, you know what? I'm going to kill David. So David fled for his life, and it was during that time right there, and this is key, that, that David made a covenant with Jonathan. And, and the covenant with Jonathan was simply this, an agreement that, man, if Jonathan, if you're alive or dead, when I become king, I'm going to take care of your family. That simple. That's a good covenant, right? And then basically the covenant also says this. Let me stress this. It it said this, that he will always show kindness to Jonathan's family. And so we we know that one day... David was hiding in caves, running for his life. In the middle of all that, Saul went to war, and and Saul and Jonathan uh, were both killed in battle. And then basically uh, through that process, uh, the people of Judah came to David and said, We want to anoint you as our king. So he was king of Judah for seven years. I'm giving you a lot of Bible really quick. And and then uh, basically seven years later, Israel said, Hey, we want in on that. Become our king too. Okay, so years had passed since Jonathan and and Saul were killed in, uh, in, in battle. Okay, and so we're going to pick up the story in 2 Samuel 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. All right, so it says, One day David asked, one day, meaning years later, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Remember, Saul was Jonathan's daddy, right? And he said, This anyone to whom is there anyone alive to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? And then it says in verse 2 that he summoned a man named Ziba. It said, who had been one of Saul's servants, once again, it's Jonathan's dad. He said, and then basically the guy came to him, he said, are you Ziba? The king asked, yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. Verse 3 says, then David, the king, then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show, watch this, not my kindness, but I want to show God's kindness to them. And then it says, Ziba replied, and I I think he had to say that I want to show God's kindness so Ziba would somehow give up the secret. Okay, And then he said this, yes, one of Jonathan's sons, we know his name is Mephibosheth, is still alive, and he is crippled in both feet. Mephibosheth, and he is crippled in both feet. Now, let me kind of give you the backstory here. In those days, it was customary, and some people thought it was necessary that when a king died at battle, that, that basically that everyone in the king's family, despite their age, had to die too. And so what happened is, is a is king would die, and they would go in and they would murder everybody in the royal family because they were afraid that one day that um, that basically an uprising would happen from whoever was this this living offspring that was there. Okay, and so when the day came and uh, and Saul was uh, you know in battle, basically when he and his three sons, obviously Jonathan being one of them, were killed in battle, everybody knew the customary thing. And so here, you, got, here you, have, you have Mephibosheth's nurse, the Bible says, who is, who is scared that, man, they're going to come kill this little boy. And, and for some of you guys that have ever been a nanny, I can imagine what's in her head. She's cared for this kid for years. She has an attachment to this kid. She has a love for this kid, and she wants to protect him. And so the Bible says that she grabs him up, and she begins to run away from the royal palace. And as she's running, there's two possibilities here. She's running, basically, to save this kid's life, to protect him. And, and one, of the, one of the examples, or one of the... Um, Possibilities here is that as she was running, she stumbled and she dropped Mephibosheth, and it and it broke his legs. The other possibility that I would probably lean to more because you know it seems like it was a violent fall. Th- that basically, this that as she was running, she stumbled and she fell, and when she fell, she landed on top of his legs and, and she broke his legs and maimed him so bad that he became crippled and couldn't walk for the rest of his life. Are y'all following me? So, it's been said that when Saul died in battle, Jonathan died alongside of him and with them both Mephibosheth's future. Now, if I can say this, that when when so-and-so sinned and -and so-and-so sinned, along with them, guess what? It messed up my future. Are y'all following me? When they had their fall, it messed me up. So here's kind of what I want to see, and we'll throw it up, that Mephibosheth was damaged or dramatically damaged because of another person's fall. Listen, if we realize it or not, there's many today that have been damaged because someone else's sin. It had nothing to do with their doing. It wasn't a decision. They made, somebody else made a decision, man. It was their fault. You know, this is where I can tell you a lot of stories. Everything I'm about to say to you has just been part of my journey and very accurate. Okay? But, but over the years, I've met people that said it wasn't their fault. They, they said it this, it wasn't my fault that I was touched in an inappropriate way. It wasn't my fault, Pastor, that I was raped. It wasn't my fault that I was abused verbally or physically. It wasn't my fault that my father walked out on the family. It wasn't my fault that mom abandoned us. It happens both ways. It wasn't my fault that my parent died and, I'm, and now I'm angry because i got to raise myself. I mean, I, 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 know a, I know a guy and a gal that lived in a home in North Carolina where you could see through the walls. Mom died. You could see through the walls. Dad didn't want anything to do with him. He had a girlfriend. He would just come by occasionally drop food off to him. They were kids. Are you following me? And now the grown people, and, and don't let's not act like it doesn't bother them. It, it's definitely damaged them. So, so here it is. It's not my fault, Pastor, that uh, my parent was a drunk or an addict. It's not my fault that nobody ever gave me any guidance or a good education. It's not my fault that no one ever spoke self-worth to me. It's not my fault that uh, my spouse wanted a divorce. I loved them, but th- they wanted a divorce. It's not my fault that my kid doesn't want to have a relationship with me. It's not my fault that they fired me. I didn't do anything wrong. I stood up for the truth, and they fired me. It's not my fault that I was damaged by someone else's fault, by someone else's decision. Once again, fill in your blank, because we all got them. I got them. Are y'all with me today? So look, look back at the verse here, verse 4. It says, "It says, where is he? Where's Mephibosheth? This is what David asked. Where's Mephibosheth? And Ziba said this, man, he's in Lodabar. Now he's in Lodabar. Now listen, it, it wasn't Mephibosheth's fault that his father died. We all get that. It wasn't his fault that the nurse dropped him. It wasn't his fault that there was no doctor to repair his legs. And it certainly wasn't his fault that his culture Basically, when someone went lame, that they stripped them of all their honor and all their dignity. It wasn't his fault. that guess what? When a person didn't have honor, they ended up in a place like Lodabar. Are you all following me today? See, Lodabar means this. One one meaning says this. It means no words. In other words, we can't even put a description on it. It also means not having. It also means no. That means no. It means nowhere. Some people say it's a pit. Do you kind of see how highly they thought of Lodabar? That man, let's not even, let, we're not even going to put words because we don't even want to talk about that place. And, and see, what happens is, 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 is Lodabar was a town that was full of forgotten, dishonored people. They were the outcasts of society. It was a place where people felt alone and misunderstood. And it was a place where people felt shame because that's what someone else's sin, someone else's fall brings in our life. It brings shame. Shh, don't tell nobody. Shh. I don't want anybody to know that. Are, y- are y'all following me here? That, that, see, and once again, it's not like, I, I want to make something really clear. You, 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 can, you can live in a million-dollar home and still dwell in Lodabar. It has nothing to do with finances. has nothing to do. You, you could have a thousand friends and live in Lodabar. Because what happens is, is once again, I can put this piece on here, but in this one area of my life, man, I cannot get out of Lodabar. I feel alone there. I feel broken there. I feel shame there. Are, are y'all with me? See, I just sent back, and this is kind of the way I read the Bible, but I think, man, man, how often do you think that Mephibosheth have dreamed about what his life could have been like? You you know, it's like I almost imagined him uh, sitting down all crippled and broken, sitting there, and he begins to daydream, and he begins to think, man, if my father would have uh, become the king of Israel, man, my life would have been vastly different. Man, it would have been great. We all agree with that. I, I, man, I would have been the heir to the throne and, and I would have been royalty. And I can almost imagine him in his imagination begin to walk around the room and begin to declare who he could have been. And then he says stuff like this. He begins to think. He says, man, I would have had servants. I would have joined parties. Man, I would have ate the best food that Israel had to offer. Surely I would have been mighty in battle like my father. Man, I would have been a warrior. Man, they would have praised me for my feats in battle. I would have had courage. I would have had honor. People would have given me dignity. Or I would have had dignity. People would have respected me. And I watch him slowly begin to slip back into reality, back into that crumble pile. And he begins to think, I would have been able to protect and provide for myself. I would have been able to do Something like just simply walk across the room. I, I, I would have I would have done this, man. I, I wouldn't have been damaged from the fall, and, but but, but I was damaged, and now I'm sentenced to serve a life sentence in this God-forsaken place. And I hear him thinking to himself, I was made for more than this. You know, how many times have I heard those words come out of a Christian's mouth? If so-and-so wouldn't have done that, if so-and-so wouldn't have done this, if they wouldn't have sinned, if they wouldn't have fallen, man, my life would have been different than... This, even if it's in that one little area. And they think this, man, I wanted more for my family. I wanted more for myself. I don't know if you've ever met them, but I've met a lot of them, a whole lot of them. And see, going back to the story here in verse 5, uh, if you can imagine that one day, once again, may, maybe Mephibosheth's coming back from a daydream and, and he begins to look on the horizon and he sees basically some, some, some uh, of the king's men riding in on horses, the big flags. We know that's, that's, key, uh, that's King David's men. And, 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 you know, here he is. I, I can think, man, man, they found me. <laughs> Oh, God, they found me, right? And he's freaking out. And it says this. It says in verse 5, it says, uh, so basically, I'll from this forgotten place, David sent for him. In verse 6, when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, what? I am your servant. In other words, man, I mean you no harm. And here's the thing, that there's no doubt, man, that he was worried about his life. Why? Because he knows the custom. Why? Because there's no doubt that that nurse that, that ran out of there, man, I had to bring you to, no, uh, to Lodabar, they would have killed you. And he just knew, man, I've been here all these years because, man, was, it, was, it was a forgotten place, but it was a safe place. Yes? And, and I could just sit there and go, but man, oh my gosh. that, that Man, I, I was hidden for so long. Now they've discovered me. Surely I'm going to die. But listen to David's words in verse 7. He said this, Don't be afraid. Whew. Can you imagine the relief in that? And David said, I intend to show you kindness. I intend to show you kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. And then watch this. He said, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. In other words, Mephibosheth, today I'm going to give you what should have been your inheritance all along. And this says in verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed respectively and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such, show such kindness to um, a dead dog like me? See, see, that's how shame works. That even in the middle of being blessed, you can't see yourself the way God sees you. Yeah, David. I love David here because it's such an example of how God works with us. He ignored him, and and, and he quickly restored back to him land, a house, servants, a guarantee for its protection for all of his days. He he gave the guy a whole new life, a life of honor. Right, the thing that he lost. And then the Bible says this. Fast forward to verse eleven. I love it. It says, "And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at the David uh, at David's table." The other. A uh, few ch- uh, verses back, it says, At the king's table, like one of king's, uh, one of the king's own sons. I'm reading great. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. What does that represent for us? It represents relationship with the king. David didn't say, I'm, I'm going I'm to give you all of this, and I'm still going to keep you out there. No, I'm, I'm going to bring you in here so you can have a relationship with me. That's good news, huh? And then it says this, I'll just throw this in there. Basically, was saying, look, man, there's life after a fall, even when it's another person's fault that affected you. So, so listen, if, if you're here today and you're thinking, uh, man, pastor, I sure do relate. I don't, I, you know, Maybe some, of, some people in here, they relate to Eutychus, but man, I sure do. I, I relate to Mephibosheth. I relate to Mephibosheth. And, and what happens is I want you to know today that you're in a really great spot. And the reason you're in a really great spot if you, if you relate to Mephibosheth is because it actually means a dispeller, a, a, let me get my words right here, an alleviator, a disperser of shame. That's what the boy's name means. Here's this guy that lived in shame, but his name itself means a disperser of shame. And you see, that's what happens when the king of kings shows up at our Lodabar, and he begins to show us his love and kindness. Shame and guilt can't help but to leave. Are y'all with me today? Y'all sure are getting quiet. Listen, it's God's loving kindness that releases and restores inheritance back into our lives. It's His loving kindness that moves us from what if and what could have been to what is. And helps me live in the now, not back then. It's healing. Amen? So listen to Psalms 145, 14. It says, The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. I love that. The Lord upholds all who fall. Let's go to our last one. Third reason why... Uh, some of us experience a fall in our life, and every one of us is going to say, oh, yeah, on this one. It, it's simply this. Number three, it's our choices. It's because we choose to disobey the Word of God. It's our fault. We have nobody else to blame. We sin. We don't have anyone else to blame but ourselves. And, and, and let me kind of bring it like this, even though I don't want to sit here. In Genesis 3, we know that when Adam fell, that, that when Adam sinned in the garden, that is known as the fall of man. So listen, so the original sin was the fall of man. And so when we sin, it's a fall. That's why people say all the time, man, I, I can't tell you how many times people call me and go, hey, hey, pastor, man, I just want you to know, man, I, man, I fell. They're talking about I sinned, right? Man, I, I was often, um, you, you know, especially where we were living, uh, man, I was off uh, doing training with the military. And man, man, pastor, I fell with a woman. Yeah, build another in on that one. Yeah. Right. And and so, but people say all the time, man, "Pastor, I, I blew it. I messed up." But but here's where I was to go today, because once again, this is hope. Look with me at John eight. John eight says this. Early the next morning, he talking about Jesus was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gather. I'm in verse two, and it says, "And he sat down and taught them." In verse three, and he as he was speaking, the Pharisees brought a woman who had been called in. The, the act of adultery. She had a fall. We know that she slept with a man that wasn't her husband. In verse 4 it says, uh, Teacher, they said to Jesus, This woman was called in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? We know they were trying to catch Jesus, right? Then it says in verse 6, it says Jesus stooped down and rode in the dust with his finger. Verse 7 says, They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and again and said this, All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until uh, only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Don't even one of them condemn you? Uh, She said, No, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Watch this. Go and sin no more you got to get the last part. There there is a, I forgive you, but there is a stop it. Why? Because there's life after a fall. He didn't say, you fell okay, get up and go fall again. But he said, look, there's life after a fall. There's hope that's there. Amen? I I love what Psalms 37, 24 says. It says this. It says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him in his hand. Amen. Here's the overall point. Stacy's going to come talk to us. Here's the overall point. It's this, that, that I want all of us to see today before we walk out of here. If there's anything I want you to grab before you go out those doors today, simply this. That in this Christmas season, it's Christmas message, by the way. <laughs> that, that, that it doesn't matter um, how your fall happened. It, it, you know, maybe it was because your past circumstance was like Eutychus. Maybe somebody else damaged you like Mephibosheth. Or maybe you don't have anyone to blame but yourself. Here's the good news is that none of that disqualifies you from receiving the very thing that Jesus' birth came to bring, and that was life after a fall. Good news, right? So listen, we all know this because of John 10.10, right? And You stand to your feet. John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give life and that they may have it more abundantly. Man, that's good news. Amen? So listen, today, just go ahead and close your eyes. Rachel, if you can come up and play, that'd be awesome. That whatever you're looking for today, that whatever you need in this room today, I want you to know that it can be found in the life of God. If you're a Eutychus, if you're a Mephibosheth, or you're like that woman that was caught in the very act, man, I want you to know today that there's life. In that life, there's restoration. In that life, there's healing. There's miracles. Man, there's, there's uh, forgiveness. There's peace. You name it, it's there. There's joy. Man, man there's, there's just hope for another day. But but here's what you got to do today. He can make all that available. You can, you can, he can come and say, man, you're fortunate. But, but you know, you still got to receive. So today, you need to receive the kindness of God. Today, let Him release His grace in your life. Today, let Him evict you from your Lodabar. Hear that, folks. Let Him evict you from your Lodabar. Let Him give you the inheritance. Let Him uh, help you take your rightful place at the table as a child of God. Once again, the word of the de- Lord today for you is, Do not trouble yourself. For there's life in you yet. Amen? Amen.
1: Hey guys, so uh, in worship today, I felt really strongly that um,
0: God was... Uh,
1: he was calling some of our um, children who are not with God um, back. Um, so through this whole message, just kind of just calling out. So I know a lot of us have kids that have fallen and that have stepped away from God. Um, and I'm really hearing a loud call for repentance of parents that agree with the fear that comes. We get afraid of what is going on in their lives. And for some reason, we pray out of this situation of fear instead of like looking at God and looking at our kids through the perspective of God and agreeing with what he's saying. And so I'm just going to ask whoever you feel like you're that person and you feel like you're just constantly looking at the situations of your kids' lives and you're, you're praying out of a fear perspective, I just, um, I just feel like God's saying it's time to go deeper and to repent for that and to stop sowing into the fear and to start understanding the inheritance that we have, they have. And we're going to start claiming that today. So I'm just going to pray real quick. Is that cool? Can I pray? Okay.
0: Yes, please. I just want to add something to that. Um, I wanted to say this earlier and I didn't. But if we could rewind to Eutychus, here's the boy, falls out of the window. There's a question there. What, what do we do when you're in Paul's spot? What do you do when, when tragedy suddenly happens right in front of you? And, and, and that's been some of y'all's kids that have fallen out that window, okay? And, and here's the thing, are you gonna run down there and fall on them and embrace them out of fear? And go, oh God, oh God, and grieve that there's a death? Because here's the thing, Fats can say one thing, but truth is another thing. And all the time, I hope you get that, that there's truth and then there's facts. And the truth is what we're going to pray about because we're going to believe that God can release that. Amen. Because he still has the ability to resurrect dead things. Amen. So let's close our eyes. Here's what we're going to do. Stacy's going to pray. And, um, and uh, my man back there is going to play some music and the altars are open. I know we don't, we don't come to the altar a lot. We need to make that a habit. Amen. Come to the altar and do business with God. Nobody's going to interrupt you. You just do business with God. If you want prayer, let us know.
1: So, Holy Father, we are so blessed to have you. Jesus, you are so fun. Lord God, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, I just pray right now, Father God, that they will reach out and they will touch the hand. Father God, Lord, we just thank you for these kids, Lord, that are out there. We know, Father, that you have them in your hands, Father God. And sometimes it might be uncomfortable, like Quentin was saying earlier. So, Father, we as parents release those kids to you, Father God. We trust you with their hearts. Lord Jesus, we look at those kids from your perspective. We thank you for the inheritance they have, Father God. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Father God. Parents, if you have kids... I just pray, I just ask you to come forward. Um, If you have any kids that um, are far from God, I just want you to come forward. I want you to just start proclaiming um, what you know God will have in their lives. We just stand here as parents, Father God. Just I call I, I hear like a, a deeper like He's calling you deeper. There's things that you guys need to let go of. Um, the things that have happened in their lives or in your lives. Uh, maybe even some apologies need to happen um, between you and your kids. I thank you, Father, that in this Christmas season, that life is going to change. Families are going to come back together. I just see a, a massive healing for parents and kids, fathers and sons. Um, I hear a call for fathers right now there's a massive call for fathers and sons right now father god i just pray that if there's a father that knows they need to repent or they need to they need to heal uh, a relationship with their son father god i just pray that they would come and they would repent
0: Jesus. listen parents i want to encourage you in this um, the devil is not going to uh, come with white gloves and come against and your kid. He's battling. So I would encourage you to not just sit here and just uh, be cute with it. Don't be afraid of war for your kids. Amen. L- l- listen, if you're here today and you say, man, Pastor, uh, man, I'm in Eutychus' spot. Man, I'm in Mephibosheth's spot. Man, the altars are open. Man, let's just come do business with God. And let the life of God touch us today. In Jesus' name.